Uh, without much further ado, uh, yeah, we've done a lot of fun things together. That Branson was a lot. And we've uh, done other meetings together. I, we had you Buffalo at the Tabernacle and some other things. So would you welcome Jeremy Gall tonight as he comes to share? Amen. Always. Amen. All right. Boy, it's good to be here. Turn to somebody and tell them I'm leaving different. Amen. Say, I'm leaving better. It's not so good if you leave different and you're worse, right? So we want, we want to leave better than we came in. Lord, we thank you for tonight. I thank you for these precious people. Father, I thank you that we are leaving different tonight. Jesus Christ is here. There's no reason for any of us to leave the way that we came in. Father, we thank you that you're here to answer questions, to empower, to ignite in us, Father, a fire and a passion. Lord, do the work in us, Lord. We thank you. You said that you would work in us, and Father, you would cause us to will and do according to your will. You said, Father, that the good work that you began in our life, you would complete until the day of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, that you're not done with us yet. You're still working in us, doing good things and taking us further in you from faith to faith and from glory to glory. We thank you for it tonight. Lord, we thank you as your word goes forward. It will not return unto you void, but it will accomplish that which you sent it to accomplish and prosper in the thing for which you sent it. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so honored to be here. Uh, with Pastor Dennis. I, I met him shortly, just shortly after we launched out. We launched out in 2003. So it's been just about 10 years we've been traveling full time. And uh, I think I'm going to come down here close if you don't mind. I like to do that. So I'm honored to be here with you tonight and here with the with them. And I'm excited about that Jesus is here. How about you? Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, I'm just going to read off my phone a couple scriptures real quick. And we're going to share some testimonies, but I want to start off with this. Mark 16, and we're going to read verses 15 through 20. Mark's account of the Great Commission. And this is a good foundation to start these meetings off with. Mark 16, 15 through 20, and starting in 15, Jesus speaking, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who is believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who is disbelieved shall be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed. Everybody say signs. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then when the Lord, when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere. While the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the signs that followed. And we'll stop there. Amen. Do you see what Jesus is saying here? He's saying something that applies to every person in this room. He said signs would follow those who believe. How many believers do we have here tonight? Did you know that Jesus's vision for your life is that each and every one of you have a signs and wonders ministry? Isn't that what it said in Mark 16? Jesus said these signs would follow who? Didn't say the evangelist, didn't say the prophet or the apostle, said that these signs would follow those who believe, believers. We're going to talk about that over these next three weeks and on the Sunday morning service. Uh, we're going to talk about basically tonight, we'll start with some why and we'll see how far we go from there. But throughout the course of the meetings, we will talk about how and very practical steps. But the first thing I wanted to establish as we get started is that Jesus has called every believer to a signs and wonders ministry that signs would follow you. Now, this shouldn't be so hard to grasp because this is how Jesus did it, isn't it? 
And even before Jesus, if you look in the Old Testament, this is how God has always done it. How many remember the story of Mount Carmel and the prophet Elijah? And there was a problem in the camp with the Israelites in those days. There was a, a two opinions at that time, the Bible tells us. They were trying to decide who God was. Is there any problem in our country today, people trying to decide who God is or if there is a God? You know, that was the problem with them at Mount Carmel. There was the prophets of Baal. They said, well, they believed Baal was God. And then there was the Israelites. And, they, you know, there's this confusion going on. And they said, no, Jehovah's God and all this confusion. You know, there's a way to settle this argument, isn't there? There's a way to settle the confusion. This is what God said. He led Elijah to build an altar. And Elijah told the prophets of Baal, you build an altar. You know, they didn't set up a table and have a debate and bring their best, you know, intellectual arguments to the table. They didn't come and, you know, eat, you know, you give five points and we'll give five points. They said, let's build some altars. Elijah said, we can settle this pretty quick. You call on God. And if he answers, then he's God. If our God answers with fire, then he's God. That's a good way. You can settle the argument, can't you? Do you believe that we need to see some fire fall from heaven now in our day, in this country? Amen. We do. And this is, God's the same. The Bible tells us there's no shadow of turning with him. If, if he thought that was a good way to settle the confusion back then on Mount Carmel, then he still thinks it's a good way to settle the confusion today here in Dover, Ohio. Isn't that right? But see what I want to talk about. And you've got a part in it. Everybody say, I've got a part. Anybody remember that old song? Anybody who grew up in church? God's got an army marching through this land. Deliverance is their song. There's healing in their hand. Everlasting joy and gladness in their heart. And in this army, I've got a part. Anybody remember it? Say, I've got a part. It's a good song. I could preach that tonight right flat out, man. God's got an army. That's good. You've got a part in this signs and wonders ministry that God's called us to. Now, there's another story I want to just cite. You don't need to turn there, but you remember the story of Jesus and those four paralytic, or the paralytic man and his four friends, and they bring the paralytic man to Jesus. They get to where Jesus is. They can't get in to see him. The house is full. So they, you know, take the next natural step. They climb up on the roof and they tear off the roof. I like that. That's a radical faith. They, they, it was a drastic step to take. You think, well, you know, we, we kind of sanitize these things in the Bible, but I, I imagine the guy who owned that house, he liked his roof as much as you like your roof. You know, somebody paid for that roof, but they said, that's all right. They were, I mean, this radical faith, they tear the roof off and they lower the man down. And the first thing, the Bible says that Jesus saw their faith. Sometimes in miracle services, I tell people, Let, make your faith seen. Did you know you could see faith? And it says, Jesus saw their faith and he said, son, your sins are forgiven. And then the Pharisees that were there, they, they thought to themselves, they didn't even say it, but they said, who is this man who could, for, you know, who says that your sins are forgiven? Nobody could forgive sins but God alone. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, that's pretty good, that's supernatural, knowing their thoughts, said, which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say take up your bed and walk? And then he said this, that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. How's the world going to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins? See, there's a lot of ways that Jesus could have made that point, isn't there? There's a lot of things he could have said right there at that moment to, in that argument. In that time, he knew their thoughts. He knew the question was who he was and that he had authority to forgive sins. What did Jesus think was a good answer to that question? A miracle. He said, which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then there's another time in Matthew chapter 11. 
The disciples of John the Baptist come to Jesus and they ask him a question that a lot of people are asking today. Are you the coming one or do we look for another? I think people, how many believe that the people of the world, they're looking at the church. They're looking at you at work. They're looking at you in your neighborhood. They're looking at you maybe at the family reunion. And they're thinking this thought that the disciples of John the Baptist had. Do they have what I'm looking for? Because everybody's looking for something. See, people are looking for what Jesus has. They just don't know that Jesus has it yet. And they're, you know, this is the disciples of John the Baptist. They come to Jesus. Do you have what I'm looking for? Are you the one that we're looking for? Or do I look to another? This is basically what, the, you know, I believe a lot of the world, they're looking at the church. They're looking at you. They're looking at me. Do they have what I'm looking for? Or do I look somewhere else? There's a lot of ways Jesus could have answered this. He could have taken them to genealogy. He could have went down and he could have taken them to prophecy. They would have understood that. But he said, go and tell John the things which you see and hear. The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the dead are raised up, and the gospel is preached to the poor. It's a good way to settle that question, isn't it? It's not really that hard of a concept to grasp because did you realize that we as believers, we as Christians, we make some huge claims and statements. We say we are the people of God. God lives inside of us. God lives inside of us. Everybody else is wrong, but we're right. We're actually the ones that God has chosen. These are some big claims, aren't they? Huge claims. Listen, talk is cheap. You got to back that up with something. Jesus always backed it up with something. And if anybody could have got the job done with just preaching, it would have been Jesus. If anybody could have just done it with preaching, it would have been Jesus Christ. Nobody's going to come close to him. He was the word made flesh. Amen. He was the best preacher that ever lived. He was the word. If anybody could have done it just by making his case, just by arguing it, it would have been Jesus. Jesus thought that miracles were important to the spread of the gospel. He never sent out one individual that he didn't send them with the signs and wonders ministry. When he sent out the 12, he sent them to heal the sick. When he sent out the 70, he sent them to heal the sick. And then we read tonight in Mark 16, when he sent out the church, he said signs would follow those who believe. I mean, today, let's think about it. Heaven and hell could be a very abstract concept to people, you know, when, you know, to people who live in this world. I mean, I do this for a living. I'm an evangelist for a living. This is what I do full time. This is all I do. And I can see how life can just make heaven and hell very distant at times. Can anybody relate to that? I mean, you're just paying the bills. You're just going, how much more for a person who doesn't believe? There's a way that we can make it very real to people. Let me tell you a story. Last summer, I was ministering in Augusta, Georgia. And probably throughout the course of these meetings, I'll tell a lot of stories from Augusta. I went down there in 2009 to have a, hold a week of evangelistic services. We went down there, and I remember the, the youth pastor stood up. It was Monday morning, and we went out on outreaches during the day, and we did a miracle campaign at night. We had miracle evangelistic services at night. The youth pastor from the church stands up on Sunday morning, and he says, I'm, or excuse me, Monday morning, and he says, I'm believing God for 500 people to be born again this week. And I'm like, my God, 500 people. You know, I, I don't want to be a wet blanket, so I'm like, I'm just going to let him run with it. I'm thinking 500 people, you know, that's a lot of people, 200-member church, you know. I'm thinking 500 people. 
Yeah, that's a lot of folks. Well, anyways, to, to make a long story short, we'll talk about it you know, throughout the course. But at the end of the week, 900 people made decisions for Jesus, made public professions for Jesus. So we couldn't stop it a week. We went for a month. Uh, we, we went another week and then another week and then another week. And I forget what the count was. It was over 1,000, well over 1,000 people made decisions, public professions. And some of the things that were happening, like I went out with him one day on the street. Me and the youth pastor were going out and we're ministering to people. We're walking across James Brown plaza you know james brown was from augusta and we're walking across and these two ladies the youth pastor's got a camera around his neck these two ladies see us walking across the plaza and they said hey take our picture take our picture we're like yeah sure you know this is a good opportunity to share the gospel he starts taking pictures i start going into sharing the gospel with him start warming up you know i said we'd like to start this way can i pray with you about anything today the the one lady says yeah i gotta get saved i said well that was easy (laughs) You know, at this point, I feel like R.W. Schombach, you know. I just said, well, you have found the right people. I, you know, <laughs> Praise God, man. I mean, well, this I'm the right person to talk to. You found the right people. Then I said, what about you? You know, to the other woman, she says, yeah, I used to be saved. I fell off the wagon. She said, I'm like, you can get back on the wagon. They got born again. They were in church that night in the service. And these were the kind of things we were seeing happening, a true move of God's spirit, you know. But, uh. Tons of stories like that. But anyway, so that was how I started my relationship with Augusta. And then that was in 2009. I was there last summer on Father's Day, 2012 on Father's Day. And I'm ministering, talking about signs and wonders tonight. The Sunday morning service, I was not preaching. There was a young guy in from, uh, from Colorado. He was, yeah, came in from um, Denver, he, near Denver. He came in from Colorado, and he was sharing about how he got filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, okay? He did a great job. So this guy came in. His name was Vinny, 21 years old, and he was invited by the pastor's daughter. I, you know, none of this I know until much later, so this is what I hear later. He gets invited to into town. He lives in Charleston, South Carolina. <clears throat> he gets invited into town. He thinks he's just coming to town to ride jet skis. This was like the real hook that got him into Augusta. They said, come to town, ride jet skis. Well, he wakes up Sunday morning. He's a buck heathen, man. I mean, he, you know, he's just wild heathen guy. He's you know, known throughout his friends for being just wild. And they invite him to church Sunday morning. He says, no, no, no. Church is your thing. I don't do that. So they, they drag him to church. They said, now these people go to church, you're going to church. So his friends drag him to church. I don't know that I would have chose the service on being filled with the Holy Spirit to be Vinny's first service. But I mean, God could work things out, can he? So he goes there, and it actually had the opposite effect that I would have thought it had. Because, I mean, yes, he thought we were crazy, but, he, but we sparked his curiosity. Because during that service, this guy talks about speaking in tongues. And then they invite people forward to pray for him to be filled with the Spirit. But they take him in a back room. And this upset Vinny. He said, I, I want to hear somebody speak in tongues. Why did they take him in the back room? Then they announce a miracle service for that night. Now he's like, man, I've got to be at that. I've got I to gotta see what these people think of miracles is and I want to hear somebody speak in tongues that's why he came back to the Sunday night service amen so he says I got to see this I got to see what it's all about 21 year old guy so he comes to the night service I'm preaching in the night service and you know I'm preaching that I preached that night on what did you come for it said they came to Jesus to hear and be healed isn't that right 
They didn't just come to punch their time card. They came to hear and be healed. So I'm preaching that night. What did you come for? And, you know, Vinny came to hear somebody speak in tongues and see what we thought was a miracle. And so we started to minister to people and there was healings taking place and people, you know, were moving. Their backs were healed and things like that. I remember one woman in particular, her back was healed. Another girl, uh, a Baptist preacher's stepdaughter, she had really bad asthma. She got healed. She was running around the church. So Vinny's watching all this happen. And he said, and he's thinking to himself, it seems like these people are sincere, he says, but it's just not enough to change what I believe. He's watching this stuff happen. Well, what did he believe? He was maybe an agnostic, maybe believed there was a higher power, but he said most, it's not Christianity and there probably is nothing. That's what he believed. And he was pretty firm in that belief. And he said, he's watching these things take place. It seems like these people are sincere. He says, and, and it seems like uh, something might be happening here. It's not enough to change what I believe. He says, but if it happened to me, I guess I'd believe it. Now, what he was thinking of was six years earlier, doctors had uh, found a tumor in his left ear. And they gave him an option. He could go through radiation and chemo and things like that, and it might affect the tumor. Or they could cut out the tumor, and he would be done with it. But if they cut out the tumor, it would leave him deaf in his left ear. Well, at 15, he chose, just cut it out. I don't want to have anything else to do with it. They cut it out, and like they said, it left him deaf in his left ear, and he was numb to the touch, like an inch and a half around the ear, because they cut you know, all the nerve damage, so he couldn't feel his ear, and he was totally deaf in his left ear. So he's thinking to himself, you know, I mean, defiantly, he's like, <laughs> he says, yeah, um, you know, it seems like these people are sincere. It's not enough to change what I believe, but if it happened to me, if it happened to me, I guess I'd believe it. And he says, furthermore, if God's really talking to this guy, now let me back up a little bit. I'm not even saying, thus saith the Lord or anything. I'm just impressed, you know, as we're ministering to people. I think we're going to minister to backs. I think we're going to minister to lungs. I started off with lungs that night. I feel the Lord's impressing me to minister to lungs. He said, if God's really talking to this guy, he's having this private conversation in his head. If God's really talking to this guy, he'd know I was here and he'd know what was wrong with me. At that moment, as soon as he completes that thought, I said, wait a second, I forgot to minister to ears at that minute. And so I said, you know, there's somebody here you didn't come forward. Now, this is really interesting. This will help you. I said, there's somebody here you didn't come forward and you can't hear out of your right ear. You remember Vinny's deaf in his left ear, right? I said, you can't hear in your right ear. There's somebody here. The amazing thing that happened is somewhere between when I said it and it reached Vinny, he heard left ear. He said, yeah, that's me. That's me. Right ear. Yeah, that's me. I don't know what happened. It was part of the miracle. Aren't you glad that God's bigger than our mistakes? Amen. There's somebody here you can't hear out of your right ear. I was specific. Jocelyn was there. I probably said it three or four times. Right ear, right ear, right ear. Vinny's like, yeah, he's talking to me. Oh, my God, he's talking to me. You know, he's reading my mail. Deaf in his left ear for six years. I, I didn't call anybody forward. I said, I'm just going to pray for you right in your seats. I commanded in Jesus' name. I command ears to hear. And I said, now block your good ear and hear out of that ear that was formerly deaf. Vinny just heard touch your ears and hear. He reached up. He touched his ear. He said there was a, a pop and a crackle. And bam, he could hear out of that ear that he was deaf out of for six years. Amen. He said at that moment, later he gives his testimony. At that moment, he said everything I believed changed. At that moment, everything I believed changed terrified him he was chewing gum he swallowed his gum <laughs> after the service he came up to jocelyn i said you should play poker Vinny." he comes up finds jocelyn in the vestibule outside 
And he says, uh, you know, are you, can I uh, keep in touch with you guys? Are you on Facebook or whatever? And she's like, yeah, you know, and I'm glad you enjoyed the service. He says, uh, I got to tell you something. And then he tells what happened, you know, like back before. He didn't say anything to anybody. He just walked out. And finally, he's like, person. So Jocelyn says, wait here. I'm already in the pastor's office. She says, wait here. She comes and gets me in the pastor's office. I come out, tells me the story I just told you. I said, let me pray with you, Vinny. No, 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 he said. He holds out his hand. He's like this. He's shaking. He says, this is a lot for me. He's terrified, man. I'm serious. He woke up that morning, not believing that God existed, went to bed that night, having met him personally and having had an encounter with him. Praise God. He is alive. Amen. Now, you know, Jesus said to, I'll tell more about that story, but Jesus said to a man that was, uh, his son was sick. He was a, a ruler. Uh, he said to the man, his son was at home and the man came to him and he said, come pray for my son. Jesus didn't go to the house, but he made this statement about him. He said, you people will not believe unless you see signs and wonders. Isn't that right? Do you remember that in the Bible? Do you think there's still people like that today? Do you think there's still people there? People are pretty much the same like they were then. Do you think there's still people that the only thing that stands between them and the kingdom is signs and wonders, a true demonstration of God's power? Then the question is, is God willing to give them what they need? Amen. To that man, he did. He performed the sign and the Bible says the man believed. Now, I think there's another story that illustrates it pretty well. There's a guy in the Bible that we call Doubting Thomas. Amen. (laughs) He comes to Jesus. You know, Thomas should have known better. Thomas wasn't one of the multitudes. Thomas was one of the 12. He's one of the inner circle, one of the named disciples. And he comes to Jesus and he says, I won't believe unless what? Unless I touch the, the, the holes in his hand, unless I see it with my own eye, unless I see his side, unless I touch it with my own hands. I won't believe it unless I see it. Now we call him Doubting Thomas and Jesus said, blessed are those who believe who have not seen. But apparently that wasn't enough to count Thomas out. And apparently Jesus was willing to give him what he needed to believe. If he's willing to do that for Thomas, who saw all the miracles of Christ, those three years he was with him, he was there when all these things happened. Woman with the issue of blood, blind Bartimaeus, man at the pool of Bethesda. He is an eyewitness of thousands of miracles. And then he says, I won't believe unless I touch and see. We're not talking about a lost person out on the street who hasn't seen anything. And Jesus was willing to give him what he needs. And he said, go on, Thomas, here you go. Touch, see, feel. I am who I said I am. Does that tell you something about what God God's willing to do for this generation. Amen. So Vinny, you know, he said, everything I believed changed at that moment. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> in fact, after the service, I'm talking to him in the foyer and he says, uh, he says this, he says, uh, I'm an ungodly person, he said. And I said, well, God loves you. He said, yeah, I guess he does. Well, that was last year to give you an update. I've, I've talked to him several times on the phone, seen him a couple times. He's, he's, he's filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, let me back up. All right, so let me tell the story, right? So his deaf ear opens up. He sit, you know, he reaches up, he touches his ear, pop crackle, his deaf ear opens up. You know what the first thing he heard out of that ear was? The woman sitting next to him praying in tongues. It's the first thing he heard out of that formerly deaf ear. That's when he came to the service for that night to see a miracle and to hear somebody speak in tongues. He was not disappointed. Amen. So then... I give an altar call, uh, invitation afterwards. I, know, no, I don't know any of this has happened. I don't know anything about this. And I give this invitation afterwards. 
and he doesn't come forward. So I just felt impressed that night. I said, well, I'm just, we're just going to pray this prayer right from our seats, right where you are. And he did. And he said it felt like a weight was lifted off. He said it felt like heaviness was lifted off. And he said he felt like he was, you know, all of his shame and all of his guilt was lifted off. We know that story. The beautiful thing about Vinny is he didn't know it was supposed to feel like that. Nobody told him that it would feel like that. Amen. It just was because it re- it's for real. Amen. But this is the point. I told that whole story. It's a great story and it's an encouragement. But what else? What else could we have done to reach a guy like that? How long? I mean, you know, there's thank God for serving evangelism and things like that. But I just want to make a comparison here for the sake of of what we're talking about in these services. How many times would I have had to cut Vinny's grass to prove to him that we really were the people of God? How many cappuccinos would I have had to hand him? Are you hearing me? To prove. You see, at the end of the day, there's a lot of these things that we're depending on to advance the kingdom. At the end of the day, it doesn't settle the question of are we God's people or not? They may conclude that we're nice people. They may conclude that we're kind people and generous people. But listen, the thing, the, that's not the point. That's a question. The point, the question is, are we God's people? And there is only one way to answer the question, are we God's people? The only answer to that question is, is there divine evidence in our lives? A divine message demands divine evidence. Amen. See, when they were on Mount Carmel that day, they built two altars. They, you know, the prophets of Baal, they had an organized religion. I had family members ask me this question. We do work overseas. And uh, not, you know, we're not missionaries, but we'll take a few trips usually a year. We do a lot of work in Russia. And uh, I've spent five months in Russia altogether throughout the last three years and um, four years. And uh, we've, I've crusaded over there. I taught uh, evangelism and uh, Rick Renner Ministries. If you ever heard of him, he has a seminary in Moscow. I've taught evangelism for him for three years. And uh, we'll go over there. But somebody asked me one time, why do you go over to other countries? Don't they have their own religion? Don't they have their own, you know, don't they have their own belief system? Why would you go and share your belief system with them? And, you know, that question is answered on Mount Carmel. The prophets of Baal, they had their own organized religion. They had clergy. They called them prophets. They had traditions. They cut themselves with knives. I think that would have been the point where I found another religion. Maybe another choice. You know, if all things were considered equal, that would have been a, maybe a deal breaker for me. But you see, they, they, had, they had organized religion. They probably had a way to be buried and a way to be married. I'm sure that that came with the package. You know, they have clergy. They have traditions that sure, surely that was part of the dogma. But where the rubber meets the road is when they cried out to their God, no one answered, the Bible tells us. That was the dividing line right there. And Elijah wanted to demonstrate the fact that we don't, it's not, hey, listen, it's not that our traditions are better. It's not that we've, whatever, that we've got better clergy or whatever the case is. He says, where the rubber meets the road is we have a living God who answers. That's the difference. See, there's so many things that we're doing today and it doesn't cut to the heart of the issue. Well, yeah, you know. Those people are deceived. They're crazy. They think that God put all those animals in a boat and they floated and all that. They're, you know, they don't know what they're talking about. Oh, but their music is cool. Now there are people with cool music who are crazy and think that God put a bunch of animals. Are you hearing me tonight? See, the only thing that answers the argument, 
This with Vinny. He said, at that moment, everything I believe changed. At that moment, everything I believe changed. Amen. A divine message demands divine evidence. If we're the people of God, I believe we should look like the people of God. I believe that the Bible paints a picture of the New Testament church, a body of people that look, amen, like they're God's people. In fact, you know, after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, that was what the ruler, the, the Jewish leaders determined finally. They said, if he keeps this up, we will not be able to stop him. We have to kill him because everybody's going to believe. Amen. I mean, you know, this is how Jesus did it. As far as I see it, why reinvent the wheel? Have we found anything better? Have we found a better way? Is there a better way than God's demonstrated power? I don't believe there is. But, you know, this all started for me when I was. And so this is what we're going to talk about tonight, next Wednesday, Wednesday after that. And then on Sunday morning, we're going to minister also. Now, this is going to be great. You guys got a healing service coming up. Pastor Dennis is going to minister on October 27th. We'll be talking a lot about miracles. This will be great. So it's a great buildup. Amen. But you see, this started for me when I was, I went to college, secular college, Cleveland Institute of Art. And uh, my wife and I, Jocelyn, we were both art majors. And uh, I was going to the Cleveland Institute of Art. And God stirred my heart. I started a Bible study and I started to seek him about evangelism. My heart started to go to the lost on the campus. And I said, my God, how are we going to reach him? And, you know, the best tactics that we had. And I'm not condemning, you know, when I say these things to make comparisons, I'm not condemning any step that anyone has ever taken towards the lost. Listen, anybody who's ever done anything, I don't care if it's baking cakes or cookies or cutting grass or these things. Thank God if somebody did that because their heart was to see the lost saved and they're taking some kind of step towards the lost. I'm not criticizing anybody's motives. I'm just saying I believe there's a better way. You hearing me tonight? Amen. I'm not trying to come down on anybody. Thank God. Anybody who's taken any step towards the loss, God bless them. I'm for them. I want to see it. But I believe there's an effective way that's better than some of the things that we've tried. And here's where I was at on the campus. I saw the the, the problem that, uh, you know, these these students that I had in my heart, I knew God wanted to reach them. I knew he wanted students born again. I knew that he had a plan to, you know, daily be added to the church like it was an ax and that there was a way to reach them. But I think, my God, how? It seemed like such an impossible task and then I looked at the outreaches that were happening on my campus and I think you could pretty much sum up the efforts to what I called ice cream socials and pizza parties that you know the basic idea of this is is we'll have a a pizza party and you know we'll serve pizza and we'll hook them with pizza and if we maybe get an opportunity sometime during the night we'll slip in that we have the secret to eternal life are you hearing me tonight you know we'll hook them with pizza and maybe you know does this make sense to you Now, like I said, let me back up. Thank God for every person who's been saved like that. Thank God for every person that's been reached. But Jesus said there's an amount of people that will not be reached any other way than through signs and wonders. You people will not believe unless you see signs and wonders, he said. And this makes perfect sense to me. I think maybe if I was a lost person, maybe I'd be one of those people. Well, you've got pizza. That's great. But, you know, there's a lot of options out there. Pizza's not, pizza doesn't convince me that you're sent from God. 
So everything kind of boiled down to ice cream socials and pizza parties. God was doing something in my heart, and I was crying out to God, my God, how are we going to reach these people? There's got to be something better. I mean, you're the God who created the heavens and the earth, and we're depending on these things to reach out to people that are lost and going to hell. We're depending on these tools to build the church. We're depending on what the arm of the flesh can do. Certainly, you don't want to be limited to the arm of the flesh. And I'm crying out to God. And I started to see then. I mean, I don't know exactly how it happened. It was over a period of time, but I'm studying the word night and day. And I just started to see that there was a pattern. Aren't you glad there's a pattern? That there was a way that Jesus did it. There was a way that the early church did it. That that signs and wonders were something that they depended on heavily. It mattered to them. Let me read another scripture to you. Uh, you could turn to Acts if you'd like, if you have your Bible with you. If not, you could just listen because I'm going to read it. Acts chapter 4, I'm going to read verses 23 through 31. Now, just to give you a little bit of context of this story, this is right after the miracle at the gate beautiful. This is just after Peter and John, they're walking to church and they pass this man who hadn't walked and he's lame and he's crippled and he's begging for alms. Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. He takes him by the hand. He lifts him up immediately. His feet and ankle bones receive strength. The man goes walking and leaping and praising God. Amen. You'd think everybody would be excited about that, but not everybody was there was some people that had something to lose if this if this kind of stuff kept on happening so they called in peter and john and so peter and john are standing before the man and they tell him do not preach anymore in this name isn't that interesting you could still the same today you could be religious you could be spiritual you could talk about god but don't talk about the name it was the same spirit same kind of resistance that we face today they said preach no more in this name well that That was a problem because they had just received the great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So Peter had a decision. Who am I going to listen to these rulers or I'm going to listen to what Jesus told me? Well, he made that decision quickly. There was no question in his mind. And he even told them right to their faces. He said, you tell me which is better to believe to, to, you know, to obey you or to obey God. And then he went back to his own company and they prayed a prayer. And that's where we pick up the story. Acts chapter four, verse 20. When they had been released, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord and said, O Lord, it is you who made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, who by the spirit through the mouth of your father, uh, through the mouth of our father, David, your servant said, all right, here we are when they, okay, here we are picking it up. Through the mouth of our father, uh, David, your servant said, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. Now here, listen, pay very close attention. Verse 29. And now, Lord, take note of their Threats and grant that your bond servants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place, the pr- place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Now, you see, they come to this time of prayer and they don't pray all night. They don't pray for a week. They just pray just a few simple lines. And if you get to the part where they actually ask God for something, 
It's only three things that they ask for. I mean, there's only really one verse that they actually ask God for something. Thank you. And verse 29 there, they ask God for three things. Everybody say three things. Now, listen, like I said, they've got a mission from God. They know that they've got to fulfill the great commission. And they go to God in prayer and they don't ask him for a hundred things. If they asked him for a hundred things, we should have each and every one of them memorized. Amen. If they asked him for a thousand things, it should be written down somewhere in every church. Because if they thought it was important, we should think it was important. But they asked God for three things. Again, everybody say three things. One, they said, Lord, we've got to preach your word boldly. Everybody say, preach the word. If anybody's going to get saved, you got to hear the word. I've heard of some people, I I never thought that this would happen, but you know, you can't just have miracles because people could assign any definition to it they want. People need to hear the word of Jesus, of the word of God. They have to hear the gospel, that he died, that he rose again from the dead and that he's alive today and that he did it for them. They have to hear that he was a substitution for them. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ has to be preached. That was number one. Everybody say number one. But then they continue on and there was a number two and a number three that they thought were very important to the job that they had and the assignment that Jesus had given them. Number two was they said, Lord, stretch forth your hand to heal. How many know healing is part of the plan of God? You know, Amy Amy Simple McPherson, she made it a part of her plan, four square gospel. That's one of the four, isn't it? Well, long before that, Jesus thought that it was important. The early church thought that it was important. They said, this is one of the three that we need from God. If we're going to do this thing, if we're going to go forward, we need we need to preach the word boldly and we need healing. And then it's interesting. Then they they. You know, you know how when we were kids, how many when you were kids used to ask your friends, like if a genie gave you three wishes, what would you choose? Anybody else in here used to do that? Am I right? And what's the first, you know, the first wish is always, well, you ask for a thousand more wishes or unlimited wishes, you know. But I mean, I think we spent hours going back and forth, you know. Well, well, if a genie appeared to you, what would be your three choices, you know. But I'm saying because they asked for three things. Everybody say three things. Now, if I was going to just ask for three things, I'm not sure that one of them would have been healing and then another one would have been signs and wonders. It's almost like that's a two for one, but they wanted to make sure they had both. Are you hearing me tonight? Stretch forth your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of thy holy child, Jesus. They thought thought that it was important to have healing and they wanted to make sure clear demonstrations of God's power that people could see. Three things that they thought was essential to what they had, to the job that they had at hand. Now, if it was important to them, I believe it should be important to us. Because none of us would be here if they didn't succeed in their mission. And if this is what worked for them, this, should, this, this is what will work for us also today. Then, you know, the Bible tells us that the place where they were gathered together was shaken that's kind of like God, you know, giving a thumbs up, like on Facebook, like I like this, you know, the place where they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, not only that, but this prayer is recorded in scripture. So we can look at it here tonight. They prayed a lot of prayers. Not all of them made the book. This one did. It's recorded so we could study it here tonight. My point being, it was important to them. It needs to be important to us. And I guess that's kind of the first point in this whole series is saying, well, let's all make it important to us. 
the Bible says they lifted their voice with one accord. So it wasn't just like a leadership meeting. It wasn't just the apostles, but they went back to their own company and all the believers got together and they lifted their voice in one accord and they cried out to God on this three point prayer. And it was important to all of them. It mattered to all of them. So I guess the first thing I'm asking you tonight is make it matter to you that we have signs and wonders in this day. Make it important. Make it part of your prayer time. Make it something that's part of your vision. You know, I already established in Mark 16, it's part of Jesus's vision for your life. Now you make it part of your vision for your life. You make it important to you as well. Amen? Amen. Everybody, if you agree with it in your heart, say, it's important to me. We need this, don't we? Now, so I'm back there in in college and I'm crying out to God and Lord, how do we do this? And I started to see this pattern, kind of like what we read here. The early church obviously had a pattern. They cried out to God. They said, we need these three things. These are essential to us. We need these three things to do the job he's given us. And I started to see another scripture. You don't need to turn there. I'll quote it. We'll get into it deeper uh, as we go on through these sessions. But John 14, 12, 13 and 14 Later on later sessions, when I get deeper into how the hows and the practical applications, we'll break down that scripture and really, really examine it. But one day I was reading in my little apartment in Little Italy in Cleveland, where I was living on Murray Hill there. And I was sitting up there. I lived above an Italian restaurant, which was torture, you know. So and and I was sitting there because, you know, you could always smell it. But, you know, but anyhow, so I'm studying there that one night. I'm studying this. I'm studying the Bible. And I come across John 14, 12. And Jesus makes this statement. He says, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever believeth in me, the works that I do would they do also. And greater works than these will they do because I go unto the Father. And he says, "Uh, whatsoever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Again, I tell you, whatsoever you ask in my name, that I will do. He says it twice at the end there. And, and, And I saw this scripture, I'm reading, you know. Whosoever believeth in me, the works that I do would they do also. Something clicked. It just, and I said, my God, I'm a believer. I love that scripture. It didn't say if you're if you're an evangelist and you believe in me. And we'll talk about that more. But I'm telling you, this is how I started in the healing ministry. And it's great because I could help others then. And I just saw it in the word first. Whosoever believeth in me, the works that I do, would they do also. And I knew he wasn't talking about carpentry. You read the context of John 14. He's talking about miracles, isn't he? In fact, in that same grouping there, when he's talking, he tells, he tells him, he says, if you don't believe me for what I say, then believe me for the work's sake. Believe me for the miracles. And here, you know, he's talking to Philip and he says, whosoever believeth in me, the works that I do, would they do also? And I said, well, I know how to believe. How many know how to believe? Do we have believers here? I said, I'm a believer. I qualify for this. You ever read a scripture and maybe you've read it a hundred times and all of a sudden it comes alive to you. It's like it's the first time you ever read it. It was like that. I'm sure I'd read it before. I'm sure I'd heard other people quote it before. But all of a sudden I'm reading it that day in my apartment. And it said, whosoever believeth in me. And I said, wait a second. I qualify for this. I believe in Jesus. That whosoever he's talking about, that includes me. And this excitement rose up in my heart. I said, Jesus opened blind eyes. Jesus caused lame legs to walk. Jesus says here that if I believe in him, I could do what he did. Jesus doesn't lie. Jesus has been faithful to me before. He's he's come through for me before. He's got to come through for this. If John 3.16 is true, then John 14.12 has to be true. It's right in the same gospel. And And this is how it all started for me. So at this time, you know, I'd been leading this Bible study for a while. My pastor started to invite me to preach in our church once in a while. I was going to a church out on the west side of Cleveland in North Olmstead. So he was out of town one Sunday and he said, would you preach for me? 
And I did. And so I'd just seen this scripture, you know, I'd just seen it. I had this opportunity. So how many know anything that God has said can be proven? It could be walked out. I mean, it's not just something that we have this ethereal, distant kind of idea. It's not just a concept that's never obtainable, that you can't, you know, that can't be manifested, that can't be experienced. Did you know that God wants us to experience Jesus? And so this is where I was at. I said, well, if this is true, then it's got to work. And so I had this opportunity, this, this opportunity to, to minister in this church. And it was a small church. There was only, I think, maybe, I don't know, somewhere between 25 and 40 people there that morning on a Sunday morning. So I'm preaching. I preached on the woman with the issue of blood. Still one of my favorite topics, you know. I mean, one of my favorite Bible stories. And I'm preaching on the woman with the issue of blood. I invited people to come forward. Five people came forward for healing. And listen, I'm telling you, I'd never seen it happen. No angels appeared to me in my room. I just saw it in the word first. I saw it in the word before I saw it in my life. I saw it on the pages of the Bible before I saw it. You know, somebody, well, how did you, you know, how did you start in the healing ministry? You know, some people have the idea like I just bumped into somebody in the mall one time and they got out of a wheelchair and it was like, oh, I guess I've got a healing anointing on my life. No, it wasn't like that. I saw it in the word first. I saw it in the Bible and I said, oh, wait, Jesus said, whosoever believeth in me, the works that I do, would they do also? So I said, all right, well, we're proving this out. This is exciting stuff. So I had this Sunday morning service. Five people came forward. I don't remember what everybody had, but I remember two. One woman had something wrong with her toes and she was in a lot of pain. The other man, he had hurt his shoulder. I believe it was either in sports or working on something and he had limited range of movement and he had a lot of pain. He couldn't lift it above his, you know, couldn't lift his arm above his shoulder, prayed for him. And all five of them testified that they were instantly all the pain and everything that was wrong with them left and that's how we started jesus did that and we're going to go back to that but that was the first time everybody say first time but i just said well this is what the word says and did you know that do you want to see god perform something in our midst perform miracles in our midst perform miracles that the lost could see the bible says that he watches over his word to perform it so for me it started with the word john 14 12 I prayed for those five people and then just kept on going from there and then started in ministry, like I said, in 2003. And we've preached in uh, 24 states and five countries and everywhere that we've gone. We've seen that Jesus is the same. We've seen, like I said, Vinny's deaf ear. We've seen other deaf ears open. We've seen people get out of wheelchairs. We've seen things disappear like lumps and tumors. And we've seen things created like tendons and Vinny. Whatever was missing, whatever those doctors cut out had to be put back. But it all started with John 14, 12. So I'm closing here tonight. But over these next three nights, we're going to talk about practical things, sharing your faith. We're, I'm going to break down John 14, 12 and what that scripture meant to me. I'm going to give you just one little, one little thing here that really is the key. Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. See, every miracle that we've seen, Jesus did it. I asked in his name, but I, that's what gave me the confidence. I realized that when I command in his name, he was there to back it up. Has this helped you tonight? Good. Is this something that you want to see in your life, that you want to work with Jesus to see people helped? Amen. I believe this. Everywhere we've gone, I tell you what we've seen, but also there's something else that we've seen when we've had time to teach classes like this and break some of this stuff down. We've always seen people that get it and they run with it and they're launched out into miracle ministry. Amen. So let your hearts be stirred. Make yourself available. I mean, it's the greatest adventure in the world, uh, running with God and running with Jesus and helping people and seeing him do what man thinks is impossible. And according to Mark 16, you've got a place in this. Pastor. Thank you. Praise hallelujah. 
Well, how many of you enjoyed that tonight? Amen. Thank you, Jeremy. Um, in just a moment, we're going to receive an offering. I want to tell you why I believe. How many of you, you, you see there's a genuine, authentic ministry here? I want to tell you why I, I believe in Jeremy and why he's here, because I'm the door to the sheepfold, so I'm responsible for, for his ministry among us. I've been blessed through the years to have sat with great men of God, Oral Roberts and, you know, the whole, the whole deal. And certainly uh, Benny Hinn, whom Time Magazine called the, the second most influential healing evangelist of the last century. But there are two distinguishing things about Jer- Jeremy's ministry that has caused me to sow financially into him through the years and to, to open doors, whatever doors I could for you. And the Lord's opened many doors for him. But two things. One is authenticity. He's just the real deal. The second thing which is important when the power of God flows through people, and that's humility. You see, because most of the, quote, healing evangelists of the last century that struggled, uh, struggled in those areas uh, of authenticity. By authenticity, I mean this, the simplicity of living out what you say you believe in your relationship with God, your wife, your children, your friends, how you do life, authentic. And secondly, many have faltered because of a lack of humility, the sense that as God uses us, how many of you know, nothing feeds the human ego like the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's, it's a paradox. That's why Jesus said you'd have to take up your cross daily, whatever it is, you know, that, that could be set you because to be used by God fills, builds the human ego. So there must be a continual depleting of self-worth. You understand what I mean that in the right way. And so I've, I've exposing our church to Jeremy's ministry because one, I think it's authentic. And number two, in, in 10 years of watching them, I know there's a humility, uh, and, and the way they do their life and their, their kids and, and everything that they do. So how many of you are excited about the next two Wednesday nights?